Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. The last few weeks we've been looking at drawing near. Let me get this turned on. The last few weeks we've been looking at drawing near and how we can draw nearer to the Lord. What are some ways that God has allowed for us to draw near? We looked at drawing near through His Word. We looked at drawing near through the Scriptures that are given to us and drawing near through prayer, through that mode of communication, of speaking with uh, God through prayer and hearing from God through His Word. And here in this passage, we actually see another requirement, if you will, something that is necessary for us if we are going to draw near. When you read the verses there and you begin halfway through, it talks about dwelling with Him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. For us to be able to draw near to the Lord, for us to draw near to God requires humility. For us, it requires the removal of pride. For us, it requires the removal of my way. Because if God is moving in one direction, and He's moving in a direction that I don't desire, maybe I want to go in a different direction. Maybe I want to go this way instead. Or maybe I want to, I want to go and be involved in that instead. And I go over there, then I have a decision to make. Do I hold on to my way? Or do I let go of my way and go God's way? Because if I go God's way, then I can be near. But if I hold on to my way, then there's no way I can be near, right? Because God is moving in the direction that God is going to move. He is greater than all. He is above all. He doesn't need to concede His way to any one of us. So if He moves in a direction, and I choose to hold on to my own way and my direction, then it's not possible for us to be near, is it? So for us to be able to draw near to the Lord requires for us to let go of our way the way that I want to do it, the direction that I want to go. In James chapter 4, verse number 8, God says, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. God, I want you to be close to me. If you want to be close to the Lord, then you need to draw near to Him. And we need to let go of our pride. If you've ever had two magnets together and you've had the same polarization facing each other, you know that no matter how hard you push, they never, you can never get them to be near. They repel each other. They push each other away. The more you push, the more the magnets push back until you flip one of the magnets around and then not only can they draw close, they are drawn to each other. And as long as we hold on to our pride, God will resist that. God says that he resists the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And as long as we hold on to our pride, God, just like two north end magnets, they're going to repel each other. They're going to push each other away. But if we flip it around and instead of holding on to our pride, we let go of it and hold on to humility and we flip ourselves around, 
then we can draw near. And we are drawn closer to the Lord. But here in verse number 15 of Isaiah 57, I wanted to take a look at what are the rewards of drawing near. When you look at the Christian life and you look at the church and you look at uh, so many aspects of God's word, there are many things for us to do. Getting into our Bibles, praying, serving, loving, forgiving, being patient, being a light and a salt. There are so many things there in the Bible for us to do. And naturally, one of the questions that comes up is, why? Why do I have to do that? That seems like a lot of work. Why do I have to participate in that? Shouldn't somebody else be doing that? One of the questions that comes up is, why? Why do I have to come to church every week? Why do I have to read my Bible every day? Why do I have to uh, witness to my friends? Why do I have to do these things? And you might be wondering in the same way, why should I draw near? Why would I bother with getting into my word every day and praying every day? And why would I bother drawing near to the Lord? I think if you look at this verse, you'll see three reasons or three rewards of drawing near. Number one, I see that drawing near rewards with residency. Verse number 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. Notice the wording that is used here. He uses the word inhabits, and he uses the word dwell. He's talking about a place where he lives. This is not a place that I visit. This is not a vacation home. This is not a place that I go to on occasion. Maybe not even a favorite. This is where I live. I live here. In this high and holy place, I dwell here with him. Also, that is of a contrite and humble spirit. I believe what God is trying to communicate to us is, this is where God lives. He lives here in the high and holy place. And I believe that what God is saying is, if you draw near to me, you could live here too. This could be your dwelling place As well, because drawing near doesn't have to be a temporary arrangement. It does not have to be a temporary experience. It does not have to be a guest room that is prepared for you. My parents still live in the home that um, that we've lived in since uh, since I was um, nine years old in 1993. uh, They purchased the home that they live in to this day. So they've lived there for a long time. And uh, obviously when we moved in, there were uh, three kids of us all living at home together. And then uh, the, uh, the day arrived where my brother went off to college. He went to college in Philadelphia. And what that meant was I get to have his room. And so I moved into his bigger room. And I, I kind of spread my stuff out and it was great. And, I, and I, I, that was my room for uh, a long time. Until I moved out. And then my sister moved into 
my room. And now there is a, an extra room that used to be my sister's room. Now there's a treadmill there. There's a treadmill in my sister's old room. My sister lives there in the one bedroom. And every time that I visit, I don't get to go back to my old room. My parents fix up the little guest room that's there. It's actually a really big guest room. But they, they, they set it up for us. But the reason why they have a guest room is because I don't live there. I don't live there. My sister has a permanent place every single night. She can go to that room and say, this is where I sleep. This is where my stuff is. This is where I live. This is my room. I live here. But I don't live there. I live somewhere else. So when I go there, they have to get something ready. And we can't have all of us there at the same time because I don't have my own place. My brother doesn't have his own room. Only my sister does because my sister is the one that lives there. And sometimes Christians, they live that way. They live not as somebody who lives there. It's a place that they visit. The high and holy place is a place where they visit, not where they live. Being near to the Lord is not a place where they live. It's a place where they visit. But God, I believe, says to us here in this passage, you could live here. You could dwell here as well. You could permanently stay here. Because what God builds, He builds forever. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Life that is not temporary, life that not comes and goes, but life that will last forever. God wants you forever. Romans chapter 8, verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, nor things, uh, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see that God makes a way for us to get to Him and He makes it a permanent way. He makes it possible for us to be near to the Lord and to be near to Him forever. You don't have to have an up and down Christian life. You don't have to be near and far and separate and close. You can be near to the Lord each and every single day. I see that drawing near rewards with residency, but I also see that drawing near rewards with raising. Verse number 15 says, I dwell in the high and holy place. We see that there is a raising of height. Where God dwells is in the high and holy place. And he says, I dwell with him also. Meaning that God raises us up also into the high and holy place. And we are rewarded with the raising of height. Because there is safety in height. That's one of the 
rewards, if you will, of being in the high place. Job chapter 5, verse 8 says, I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause, which doeth great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number, who giveth rain upon the earth and sendeth waters upon the fields to set up on high those that be low, that those which mourn may be exalted to safety. Isaiah chapter 33, verse number 16 says, He shall dwell on high, his place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks, bread shall be given him, his waters shall be sure. We see that God dwells on high and there is defense and safety and security in the high place. Whenever you go to Disneyland or you watch a Disney movie, you see that castle, right? That, that Disney castle, the Disneyland castle. And we're all familiar with it. We've seen it. We see the little star or whatever that comes across. You know, we're familiar with that. I didn't realize this, but that castle has a name. Uh, that Disney castle has a name. It's called Sleeping Beauty Castle, right? So there's a name for this castle, And some of you may know this, but this castle was based off of a real castle that exists today. You could go there today. It's in the southern uh, part of Germany, right north of Austria, almost right on the border. It's called Neuschwanstein Castle. I meant to have a picture of it. You could Google it later. Not right now. Some of you are going to want to Google it now. Don't Google it now. Google it later, okay? But it's there. And... You can kind of see the similarities, but when you look at that castle and you see where it is placed, there's a small town nearby, but right at the edge of the town, it goes up into the hillside, and that castle is built on top of one of those hills. And whenever you go to Europe and you see many of the castles, many of them are built on the high place. It's built on top of a hill, it's built on top of a mountain, it's built on a cliff side. Why? Because with height comes security. And when God says, I will dwell with you in the high place, I believe one of the rewards that comes from that is safety. The safety that comes from height. I also see a raising of holiness. I dwell in the high and holy place. The word holiness means sacred. If you were to use kind of a very simple word, you might even use the word special. But holiness is one of those things that I think gets uh, maybe people who aren't interested in spiritual things, they look down upon that. Oh, why would I want to be holy? Why would I want to be involved with anything that is holy? Holy seems boring. Holy seems uninteresting. But holy really is a very special thing. To be in the holy place is to be in a very special place. When I graduated from the university, um, one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to travel. And one of the places that I traveled to was Washington, D.C. And uh, I uh, booked the flight and I booked a, a hotel actually in Virginia, um, uh, just on the other side of, uh, of the river there, and I would take the, the subway in, uh, in and out each and every day. And uh, there was a big park near uh, the hotel, and uh, I saw Marines, they were doing some drills or whatever. 
the morning, one of the mornings that I happened to be there. But I went there and uh, I went and saw a lot of great uh, things that I had hoped to see. I went to the Washington Monument. I went up the Washington Monument. I went to the World War II um, uh, memorial, went to the Korean War Memorial, and, uh, you know, the Jefferson, I, I saw all of those things, you know, all of those things that are there on the mall right there, uh, I saw a lot of those things, I went to the Congress, uh, 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 the Capitol building, and uh, got to go inside and, and have a little tour, and, and learned a lot about the Capitol building that I, I, I didn't know some of these things, uh, some of the states had given or donated statues and there's a room with a lot of different statues from the different states and things like that. And uh, inside the rotunda is, uh, I can't remember if it's a painting or a drawing or sculpting, but there's uh, kind of like a history timeline of America. And it ends, I think, in the early 1900s, I think, because obviously it's a, it's a circle, so you can't just keep drawing. But, uh, you know, they, they were giving some history about things like that, and uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, there was a tour guide there, and I saw a lot of things and heard a lot of things, and, uh, you know, I was very glad that I went, and I, I saw basically everything that I wanted to see, except for one thing. There was one thing that I wanted to see, I really wanted to see this, but I couldn't see it, which is the inside of the White House, because the White House is different, If you want to go inside the Washington Monument, you can literally show up the morning of, stand in line, buy a ticket, and go up. And uh, even the Capitol building, you know, you just need to, you know, all of these places, some of them are free, they're outdoors and things like that. Some of them you need a ticket, but I didn't realize this. I didn't know this. Somebody should have told me, I feel, but I didn't know this. But if you want to get into the White House, obviously you can't just walk in. But you also can't just buy a ticket and walk in. You have to write a letter to a congressman from your state months in advance. Because obviously you can't just write it the day before and say, all right, hurry it up. I need to, you know, they're busy people. So you've got to write this letter far in advance. And I was very close to, you know, heading out there. And uh, I realized, oh, I made, a, I made a mistake, you know. I wanted to go into the White House, and I wanted to see inside the White House. I wanted to, I don't, I don't know what the tours are like, obviously, because I've never been there. But, you know, I imagine that, you know, if you have a tour at the right time of the day and there's nothing else going on, you'd be able to walk into the Oval Office. You'd have a little tour, and they'd bring you into the Oval Office. And uh, I really wanted to see that and just be able to walk into the Oval Office and just see, wow, this is the, this is the Oval Office. And I wanted to be able to walk the halls where... Uh, the past presidents, so many of them walked those very same halls, walking in the same uh, steps of uh, Teddy Roosevelt, to be able to sit in the same rooms as Ronald Reagan, to be able to uh, stand in the same places of of so many of our past presidents. I really wanted uh, to be able to do that, to be able to see that, to experience that. But I didn't. I didn't get to see any of that because I didn't have that one requirement of that letter from my congressman saying, Richard Kim, he can, he can go see this place. And so I left, never having seen it, still haven't seen the inside of it. But I really wanted to go and to see this place. The inside of this place called the White House. There are many places in this country where you could just walk around for free. 
Just walk in whenever you want to. There's a lot of places where if you pay a certain amount for a ticket, you get to go inside and have a tour, go inside and experience. But not the White House. The White House, you don't get in for free. The White House, you can't just buy a ticket. For the White House, it's a special place. And the high and holy place is a special place. You don't get to just walk in. You don't get to just buy your way in. It's a special, special place. And when God says that I dwell in the high and holy place, what he's saying is, not everybody's here. Not everybody's been here. Because this is a special, special place. Just like the White House, it's not that I was disqualified from going. I could have gone. But I didn't have that requirement. And in that holy place are a lot of wonderful and special things. In the holy place, God wants to show you the places that other Christians have walked. He wants to show you some wonderful things that other Christians have seen. He wants you to be in the same places that other Christians have been. That other great men and women of God have been able to experience. You say, what's so great about the holy place? That's what's great about the holy place. There's something special about being in that holy place. There's something great and wonderful about being in that holy place. And it comes from drawing near. I also see that there is a raising of honor. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also. God not only says, I live here. He says, I want to introduce to you somebody who also lives here with me. I used to watch a lot of college football and um, from the University of Washington. You know, I graduated from there. And so I watched a lot of the, you know, the pack. Now it's a Pac-12 football. I watch a lot of sports and and things like that. And one of the commercials I remember seeing uh, on a regular basis was commercials from the University of Southern California. I don't know if you've seen these commercials. I don't even know if they still do them. But they would have commercials about the University of Southern California, and they would talk about all of these great people who have graduated from the University of Southern California. And uh, I believe one of them was like George Lucas and I think Neil Armstrong or some, you know, a lot of, you know, well-known, accomplished people have graduated from this university and it would just kind of have the slideshow of these are some of the wonderful, great people that have graduated from our place. You could be in the same place. You could sit in the same place and things like that. I remember watching that and thinking, wow, there's a lot of people walking around with USC sweatshirts walking around with USC, you know, t-shirts and, you know, even jerseys and things like that, but they're never going to show up on that commercial. USC, I don't know, let's make up a name, John Smith, John Smith. People are like, who is John Smith? You know, from my university, the most well-known person I think that you would recognize to graduate from there is Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee graduated from the University of Washington. (laughs) And if we had a commercial from the University of Washington, you'd say, Bruce Lee graduated from here. The next name that shows up would never be my name. 
You're not seeing my name up there, right? Wow, Richard Kim graduated. I'm going there, right? Nobody's going to say that, right? Because while I may associate myself with the University of Washington, the University of Washington has no particular reason why it would associate itself with me. If your name was Neil Armstrong, the university would gladly say, yeah, I associate myself with this man. Or I associate myself with this woman. Or I associate myself with these people because of the great accomplishments and things like that. And obviously there's great honor bestowed upon them. But God here is saying to us, I dwell here and I want to introduce to you somebody who dwells and lives with me. Not only are we as believers, we associate ourselves with God. I am a Christian. I go to a church. I believe the Bible. And obviously there is a a connection there that can never be broken. Once you are saved, you are a child of God. And once you are a child of God, you can never not be a child of God. There is always that connection that will always be there. But I think you see that there's a difference between if I want to associate myself with that and somebody else wanting to associate himself with me. And God says, I want to associate myself with this one. This one who dwells in the high and holy place. I want you to know, this one, he dwells with me. And what an honor it is to be associated with our God. For us to be associated with the creator of the world. For us to be associated with the almighty, all-knowing one. We also see that drawing near rewards with revival. The end of verse number 15 says, to revive the spirits of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. This past week I got sick, as I, as I mentioned, as you can hear, as you can tell, as you can see. Uh, so I got sick this past week and um, I hadn't really been sick too much recently over the past a year or so, I felt like I'd done pretty well and not gotten sick too much. This one, though, hit me pretty hard, and it's been hitting a lot of people very hard. And, uh, you know, Monday, I started really getting sick. Tuesday and Wednesday, um, really, it hits you hard. You can feel it in your muscles. You can feel it in your head. You can feel it in your throat. And uh, it's just really, when, when you get hit like that, you just, you don't feel well, you're so lethargic, and uh, you don't want to do anything, and uh, some of the things that you used to enjoy, you don't enjoy them anymore. You can have a great meal, but when you're sick, it just doesn't taste as good. And you could have, you know, uh, somebody tell you a really funny joke, but for whatever reason, when you're sick, you're just, just, it's just not as funny anymore, right? And, and all of the things that you might enjoy, and the weather might be beautiful, but if you're sick, you don't really enjoy that as much. And whenever you're sick, it really affects so much of how you receive things, how you live, how you experience things. But when you get well, when you get better... When the virus is kicked out, when the illness has been eradicated and removed, then everything is different. 
You feel better. You feel more alive. You enjoy things more. You're more active. You're more responsive. Everything is different because there's a difference between being alive and living. Tuesday and Wednesday, I was alive but not living. I continued to exist, but I wasn't excited. I wasn't really experiencing some wonderful things. There's a big difference between being alive and living. Just in the same way, there's a difference between being sick and being well. And when God says, I want to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones, I believe what he's trying to communicate to us is, you're alive already. If you have trusted in Christ as your Savior, you are saved. You have been born again. You have spiritual life. But just because you are alive does not mean you are living. Just because you have that relationship with the Lord in terms of I am a child of God does not mean you have a strong, active life. And there's a big difference between being alive and being living. Why should I draw near to the Lord? Because when you draw near to the Lord, you are not just alive, then you become living. Then you begin to live the Christian life. And many times when we come, and, and uh, I don't know if you've ever been there, but sometimes you come and you hear the preaching, and it's just not inspiring, it's just not encouraging, it's just not helping you open your Bible and say, well, maybe, maybe if I read my Bible and it's just not you know, fulfilling, and you, you pray, and you, you, you're just not interested in witnessing, and you're not interested in participating, you're not interested in serving, you're not interested in doing all of these things, I believe it's a sign that if you are saved, you are alive, but you're not living. That you are saved, but you are not active. That you are not near to the Lord. Because when we have our spirit to be revived and our heart to be revived, then the things of God are exciting. The things of God are inspiring. The things of God are compelling. The things of God make us want to do it and make us want to live for the Lord. You can have a vibrant Christian life. But you need to draw near to the Lord. You don't have to have a a boring Christian life. You don't have to have a stale Christian life. You don't have to have a, I'm just going through the routines kind of Christian life. I'm here at church because my parents are dragging me to the church. I'm here at church because it's my religious duty to be here in the church. I serve in this area because nobody else can serve here. or, Or somebody asked me to serve in this area and... And I'm here because of all of these reasons. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to just be alive. You could be living. You could be excited about what God is doing. You could have the Holy Spirit to be moving in your heart, to be giving you life and energy. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. God wants you to have the abundant life. He doesn't want you to just be alive and existing. He wants you to have a Christian life that is exciting and inspiring and energizing. But you need to draw near to the Lord if you're going to have that kind of life. You can't be far from God and have living and not just alive. You need to draw near to the Lord. You need to be close to God. 
You can't just go through the motions and expect for your Christian life to be different. You can't just do the same old, same old and just expect for things to be different. You have to draw near to God. You have to get into your scriptures with the intent and purpose. God, I want to be closer to you today. You have to go to God in prayer and say, God, I want to get closer to you today. God, I know that you have your way and I know that I have my way. But I want to be close to you because I want to be living. I want to be alive and excited and energized and inspired. And I know that that doesn't come from my way. It comes from your way. So I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to be one of these humble and contrite people. And I'm going to let go of my way. Let go of what I think I should be doing with my life for the next 10, 20, 30 years. I'm going to let go of the way that I want to live my life and the way that I want to spend my time and spend my money and spend the opportunities that you've given to me. I'm going to let go of that and let you determine how you want me to do that, how you want me to spend my money, how you want me to spend my time, how you want me to live my life. And when we humble ourselves and we draw near to the Lord by letting go of our way, And getting close to God and choosing his way, then God says, I will revive your spirit and your heart. I want to have that kind of life. I hope that you want to have that kind of life too. I hope that our church will be full of people who are not just alive, but living. Who are near to the Lord, who have what Jesus calls the abundant life. Truly, the Christian life is not boring. It's exciting. It's full of life. And it's full of life because God revives our hearts and our spirits. Why should I draw near to the Lord? Because drawing near rewards those who get close to God. He rewards with residency. He rewards with raising. And He also rewards with revival. Would you draw near to the Lord today? Would you get into your word or into God's word and say, God, I want to draw near to you because I want a revival. God, I'm going to pray to you because I want to not just be close and then be far. I want to stay close to you. Would you let go of your way and hold on to God's way so that God could reward you with raising? Would you do that and have the abundant Christian life that God wants for you?